Welcome to an audiobook entitled Parish Management and Operations, The Buck Stops Here, narrated by Catholic author Michael Brenda. We hope you enjoy the segment and find it useful in your ministerial work. Chapter 3. PMO is a superior results paradigm. We start with a quote by Sir Winston Churchill. However beautiful the strategy, you should occasionally look at the results. End quote. This book makes the assumption that every reader, either now or in the future, will at some level be directly involved in PMO. But what does directly involved mean in this context exactly? Directly involved means you will have your hands directly on the levers of some consequential decision-making. One or more paid staff and or volunteers will report to you, and you will be responsible for the results produced by your decision-making, or lack thereof, for yourself and all those who report to you. You may not have to directly perform the work, but you are responsible for those who will do the work. You will, in some capacity and at some organizational level, work as the PMO administrator, as we will come to define the administrator title, whether you are laity or professed religious. You are always directly responsible for the results of your efforts, or the lack thereof, good or bad. You will be held accountable for your PMO performance by some superior, because everybody has a superior in one form or another, even though those with their names in the top box of the organizational chart report to somebody higher. Note any PMO results not deemed superior are bad by definition in the correct culture. There are no acceptable in-between permanent states when the discussion topic is results. Anything less than superior in terms of results had better be in the transitional phase and never accepted as the terminal in-state of our work. Further understand and acknowledge that good enough is always the enemy of superior performance. Acceptance of good enough as a terminal in-state of our PMO efforts is to institutionalize mediocrity. More on this point later in following chapters. And mediocrity is the bane of those we are charged to serve. Mediocrity invites and opens the door to unwarranted and unnecessary misery in those we are meant to serve. This is immoral. To knowingly and willingly accept less than superior as a terminal end state of your PMO efforts is actually sin hiding behind a veil of excuses, such as, I'm too busy, I'm too tired, I didn't know, I wasn't trained, I'm not good with details, I'm not a leader, I need more support, I'll get to it later, I deserve a break, nobody told me, it's too hard, too many obstacles, it doesn't feel right, people doubt me, people misunderstand me, I'm afraid of failing, other things are more important, I'm not a thinker, I'm a doer, I'm a doer, not a thinker. I'm being reassigned soon. I'm not certified. I'm too old. I'm too young. 
I'm no good with technology. And my personal favorite, that's not how we do things here. If you find any of the above teaching difficult to accept, know that things are going to get more difficult as this book unfolds because the above demand for superior performance that produces superior results is a bedrock, fountainhead principle. You do not have to like all aspects of the work you are called to perform. You just have to do it in a superior manner. And this is a non-negotiable principle. The buck just stopped. Poor performance will not be overlooked, nor will it be acceptable in PMO personnel. But this has just as much to do with simply looking in the mirror and facing yourself as it does with any formal oversight or extra motivation initiated by your superior. Since you would not accept poor performance from someone who reports to you, why would you as the leader of the band accept poor performance within yourself? Mediocrity in PMO is just another name for failure. Sure, everyone makes mistakes. Everyone has a bad day. Everyone makes mistakes on a bad day. Problems come with a job. But institutionalized mediocrity is inexcusable and must end. Nobody has to take my word for it for that, as Jesus has some very clear and profoundly harsh teachings on failure to develop and use the talents God has blessed each of us with. Superior is the standard for our results. There is no other, except no other. Chapter 4. Applying Business Principles in a PMO Environment To correctly explain this point, we must from the outset be crystal clear and admitting to a different purpose, a different goal, than others who might study many of the same principles presented here. Notice I did not say we must admit to serving a different master, as no matter if your destination is to journey to priest or CEO or lay volunteer or paid staff, the master of all remains the same, God. However, one cannot assume, indeed one must not assume, that the principles taught in this book are principles that in some way are sullied by the fact others serving different goals, but not a different master. Use these same principles to earn a profit and make money, govern, or defend their nation. Do not make the mistake of thinking that earning a profit in a manner consistent with what Christ had to say about such matters is a corrupt end, and do not compound that error by dismissing dual use management principles simply because some people may apply those principles to create a business empire, especially those who blend sound business principles with criminal intent to deceive and defraud people to build a criminally driven empire. It is not the core and universal principles that are at fault when crooked people do crooked things. So don't cast blame on them and think the principles are in some way corrupt or tainted. There are always a few practitioners who are corrupt and tainted in all fields and endeavors. Increase the granularity and nuance of your thinking. Be sure to make distinctions yourself and also correct any others you may meet who hold to these erroneous beliefs. 
business principles can and must coexist in a PMO environment side by side with the, with the foundational tenets of our faith. A quote from Thomas Groom, Chair of Boston College's Institute for Religious Education and Pastoral Ministry. He said, Yes, the church is not a business, but there is the credibility of it that has been terribly damaged by poor management. The mission has to trump the management, yet the mission is constantly enhanced by good management and diminished by poor management. End quote. The entire notion that a principle, any principle that is legal, ethical, moral, and virtuous, should be restrictively applied, such as only applied within the so-called business world, or government sector, or military-industrial complex, is absurd, overly restrictive, and naive. Such thinking is too narrow in scope and counterproductive to using many dual-use principles in every situation where such principles should be deployed and employed. In the same manner that the Church has much to teach those working in the business, government, or military sectors, people in those sectors have significant useful experience, best practices, and general wisdom to share with the Church. Do not dismiss otherwise brilliant ideas and strategies simply because they were not invented and did not originate within your chosen field or profession. Only the naive, ignorant, or intractably biased would dismiss receiving such rich experience and wisdom simply because the source is not from a fellow in their same profession or sector. However, there are differences to our primary mission. What are those differences? The application of business principles in a parish environment by priest and or lay personnel must directly or indirectly further the goals of saving souls and leading souls to Christ, which is in full accord with Canon 1752, which states in part, The salvation of souls is the supreme law in the Church, is to be kept before one's eyes. End quote. Peter Drucker labeled the outcome of such an effort as a changed human being. But whatever the precise language used, Drucker is making the same basic point using secular language as the Church does using more theologically friendly wording. Father Paul Holmes calls this same understanding the theology of management. However, we must continue to drill down on this I'm anti-business principles, I'm against all things business, elephant in the room that might hold some back, especially those you might report to as illustrated by this superior observation made by Peter Drucker. Forty years ago, management was a very bad word in nonprofit organizations. It meant business to them, and the one thing they were not was a business. Indeed, most of them believed that they did, that they did not need anything that might be called management. After all, they did not have a bottom line. End quote. Although we admit to using many of the same principles as are used in business, we do not admit to the same goal. 
the why we do what we do in PMO is different than business, government, or military sectors. The goal of business is to make money, to earn a profit. Let's be very clear about that and also be equally clear that this is a goal, a noble goal, when done in accordance with Christian principles and scriptural values. So do not make the mistake of blaming the principle itself for its historical misapplication in the world. Making money is not our goal in the church and never will be our goal in applying business principles within the church and PMO environment. The goal of the universal church is to save souls and lead souls to Christ. However, we must accept and execute in a superior manner principles that help serve this goal, even if the principles originated in the business realm. Chapter 5 the church is not a business, but who and what are responsible for core change in a person? Is it money? Is it environmental improvement? Better housing? More food? Toxin-free water? Job promotion? Improve health? In our exact context, not really. At the core, we believe it is cooperation with God, the grace of God through the Holy Spirit working within entering the people who give themselves over to Christ. This is what changes the heart of a person. But clearly note that the fact our goal is to save souls rather than to turn a profit does not admit to any acceptance of mediocrity in our PMO efforts just because we are not driven by the profit motive. Certainly, the church does not answer to shareholders but rather will answer to a much higher authority. However, this point is important. When you remove the profit motive from the work environment, yet simultaneously still require superior job performance, this workplace reality confuses many people, including job applicants, current employees, and often your superiors. How so? A quote from an anonymous person. If it's important, you'll find a way. If it's not, you'll find an excuse. End quote. Each person must do his or her part. We cannot, as it were, buy a ticket and become a spectator watching the game of PMO. We are not spectators to the work of the Holy Spirit. The key to effective PMO is to incorporate the mission of the Church with the methods of how we administrate and lead people, and some of these methods will be imported from the business world. Granted, we will be learning some of the same concepts used in other fields such as business, and we are clearly in the service of different ends. But does this mean we should accept mediocrity and stubbornly reject proven methods simply because they were invented elsewhere, or are sometimes subject to abuse in another field, just because we are not chasing a monetary profit? Or just because someone is labeled a volunteer, does that translate to hands-off, do not proactively manage them, they are volunteers? Should we not terminate the employment of someone for repeated failures, simply because such an action is misunderstood and incorrectly labeled by anyone or everyone as uncharitable behavior? For example, it is precisely because, it is precisely because some people are volunteers 
and largely or totally untrained in what we are seeking from them, that you must recognize your PMO volunteers need the highest level of management, oversight, and training. Indeed, one could argue that between the two distinct goals of making money and bringing souls closer to Christ, if anyone were to enshrine mediocre service as their norm, we should pray it would always be the business earning its profits and never the church in its mission to serve others and bring souls to Christ. There is no place for mediocrity in PMO, yet it is so common as to be the norm. Why is that? This is why. In understanding those called to serve in PMO as paid staff or volunteers, we commonly observe the prototypical applicant or current employee is animated primarily by their desire to serve the Lord. Work in the business sector? Make money? Get rich? No, no, and more no. They are not interested in those pursuits at all. Fine, but what often follows from this attitude? For such people, it is, easily, it is easy to consciously or subconsciously dismiss job performance concerns when you are animated primarily, if not exclusively, by a simple desire to serve God. Further note, all things being equal, we know they know their career or volunteer choice to work in PMO does not lead to climbing the proverbial ladder of success or material treasure, but spiritual treasure. PMO employees and volunteers willingly, if not joyfully, accept this fact. Fine. But why do these insights matter? Because the purity of their intentions tends to set aside or mute the requirement that standards of superior job performance must still exist where they work, and delivering superior results still matters to the parishioners we are all called to serve. Oh. People working in church environments like to think their daily job performance is going to be held as a secondary concern, or even in full abeyance, to their good and noble intentions of working for God and the church. This is a false paradigm. You do not relax job performance expectations and standards just because you are working in and for a nonprofit organization. It is in this regard the label of nonprofit can negatively influence and mislead people into believing in the false formula of nonprofit entity equals any level of job performance will be accepted. And that's the place where I want to work. No requirements to actually perform. Woohoo! Do I love working here? Recognize it is more than likely you will inherit PMO and personnel and volunteers who silently hold to one or more such beliefs, as if there is some unwritten rule or understanding to this effect, not to mention perhaps years of non-profit prior work experience explicitly reinforcing such notions. Therefore, we acknowledge the desire and or pressure of having to strike it rich, so to speak, to secure high-paying, high-flying career paths with top-tier firms, etc., do not apply to those attracted to work or volunteer in PMO. Fine. Given our free will, this is exactly as it should be. However, 
Those working or volunteering within the church sometimes mistakenly believe that working under the umbrella of PMO services is somehow a refuge from being held accountable for producing superior output in a results-oriented environment. Furthermore, sometimes those willingly working or volunteering within the church mistakenly create an invalid correlation. They mistakenly believe that working for less than market wages excuses them from superior performance standards. This point of view is wrong on two fronts. Number one, the wage you choose to accept of your own free will is never to be connected to the quality of your job performance. The standard that describes employee or volunteer job performance is always and simply superior. Number two, the PMO administrator should not, as a matter of budget design and default wage policy, offer less than market wages in the first place simply because we are a church and not a business. More on this topic in the chapters on hiring and firing. We do not ask applica applicants and employees to take a paycheck haircut just because we are a non-profit religious organization. We offer market wages in order to ensure we have talented job applicants. Talented job applicants will be defined in the chapters on hiring and firing. What is the truth? While working in PMO must be a safe refuge from the uniquely profit-based and profit-driven workplace pressures and demands such as posting quarterly profits or achieving production quotas, there is a distinction to be made here between profit-driven and performance-driven work environments. We are performance-driven and results-oriented in PMO. This is our culture. More on culture in another chapter. There is no exemption from superior performance expectations for the non-profit employee or volunteer simply because they declare themselves to be not motivated by profit or willingly out of love and devotion freely choose to work for below market wages. You do not have to earn a profit or be paid high wages to be driven to provide superior service to those you are committed to serving. And it is the duty of the PMO administrator to personally model this truth in his or her own job performance to all employees and volunteers. However, you will note sometimes it is if the employee is saying, hey, if I wanted to work in that type of results-oriented atmosphere, I would have taken a job in the secular world. I work in PMO specifically to avoid all that accountability and job performance stuff. Well, this attitude is misguided and mistaken, as it fundamentally and implicitly demeans the importance of who we have been called to serve. Just because you choose to work for the church in some capacity does not mean we eschew performance-based metrics or lack a performance-based results-oriented culture toward those we have been called to serve. How insulting that attitude is to those we serve. Further note, office commotion and observed all-around or volunteer busyness does not necessarily equal delivering superior PMO results. More on this point follows.
We hope you enjoyed the program, and will join us back for another show on WCAT Radio. This is Sebastian Mafud. Good day.